Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Well, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Bread of the Word podcast. This is the first episode of 2023 from Bread of the Word, and we are cruising along in the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be finishing chapter 7 and starting chapter 8 today. And so as we do every week, we will be going at Fontes to the fountain, to the Word of God, and let the Word speak for itself, and knowing that we will be nourished and sustained by all that God is. And so today we will be looking at verses 26 through beginning of chapter 8. And so in chapter 7, we've been talking about wisdom. We've been talking about the application of wisdom and how there seems to be no one truly wise, Solomon included. And he continues um, fleshing this out in verse 26. And he writes, And I find more bitter than death the woman who is a trap. Her heart a net, and her hands chains. The one who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Look, says the teacher, I have discovered this by adding one thing to another to find out the explanation, which my soul continually searches for, but does not find. I found one person in a thousand, but none of those was a woman. Only see this, I have discovered that God made people upright, but they pursued many schemes. And verse 1 of chapter 8, Who is like the wise person, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A person's wisdom brightens his face, and the sternness of his face is changed. So, as we saw last week, we are coming to a portion of scripture that has stumped people far more educated than me. And so I'm not coming at this from the standpoint that I am the scholar, I am the expert, this is what God is showing me in this text in this text that has challenged um, many people, pastor and layperson alike. But this portion appears to open with a caveat, and this is kind of where we're going to camp out for a while, is this, this opening line here. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a trap. While the Hebrew and Greek editions are unclear as to what function the word woman is serving here, whether we're talking about a a generic person, or we're talking about someone Solomon knows. Um, other places, this word in Hebrew for woman could be translated as wife. And so it gets a little hairy trying to figure out who is this person. But I think the answer takes us back to the book of Proverbs. And the content itself is, is clear. 
Solomon is warning the reader against a particular type of person, one who, quote, is a trap. Her heart is a net, and her hands chains. And so if we go back to Proverbs chapter 5, we see, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding, so that you may maintain discretion, and your lips safeguard knowledge. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she is as bitter as wormwood, and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and her steps head straight for Sheol. That is the Jewish word for hell. Her steps head straight for hell. She doesn't consider the path of life, and she does not know that her ways are unstable. So, that's a scathing remark there. And Ortland and Hughes um, comments and try to um, bring some clarity to... Um, one layer of this text in Proverbs. And they write, This wise father is saying to his son, You are going to be tempted. You are walking into a world of sexual foolishness. It will be offered to you as honey, and you will be attracted. But this honey will poison you. Note the word honey in verse 3 and the word bitter in verse 4. Honey is sweet, so whatever leaves a bitter aftertaste in your mouth cannot be honey. Don't be fooled. Don't judge by the appearances of the moment. The lasting impact tomorrow and thereafter reveals the truth about the present moment. So on the surface, it appears that we have a warning for sexual purity. And many would probably take things in that direction. <clears throat> However, I think there is a poetic application here that we can very easily miss. If we try to divorce Ecclesiastes from Proverbs or Proverbs from Ecclesiastes. Because if we look, if what we've seen in Proverbs so far is that Solomon characterizes wisdom as a woman. But he also characterizes folly as a woman. And so we come to Ecclesiastes, and we've got to keep that in mind when we talk about images like this. So Solomon describes this woman with three illustrations. She is a trap, her heart is a net, and her hands are as chains. And what we have there is a picture of the binding power of sin towards a person. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For, thee that hath suffered, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Romans 6 tells us that the old self was crucified with Christ so that the body might not be ruled by sin but would be set free unto righteousness. The point of contact here, I think, it brings us to um, Haggai chapter 2. And he uses the image of the Levitical practices to make a point. This is what the Lord of Armies says, Ask the priests for a ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and it touches bread, stew, wine, oil, or any food, does it become holy? And the priest answered, No. And then Haggai asked, If someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it then become defiled? And the priests answered, It becomes defiled. Then Haggai replied, So is this 
people, and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. And so is every work of their hands, even what they offer, is defiled. Here's the point of contact. We may slip into sin, but we will never slip into righteousness. The redeemed do not simply go into autopilot after conversion. There is a process of being purged from the world and being saturated with Christ. Romans 8.28 says that we know that God causes all things to work together for the, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And those he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That Christ is the firstborn and we bear the family resemblance as his adopted um, heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And those he predestined, it says he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is what um, theologians have called the golden chain. This is the, the main points on the progress of how God works in a person. That there is... That we, what we are seeing is the playing out of God's plan of redemption. <clears throat> Both purchasing the soul and purging out all the filth that we may glorify God in the flesh. Um, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. And we've got to bring all this into focus when we look at this image in Ecclesiastes. Now when we're looking at temptation, when we're looking at um, wisdom and folly and bad decisions, there is... There is a way that seems right to men, but in the end thereof, it leads only to destruction. And we will not accidentally stumble upon the path of righteousness. It is a fight. Um, you live long enough on this earth, it will be a fight to do what pleases God. Because there is the flesh and there is the spirit. And if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by, by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will yet live. Peter provides us a blueprint for that kind of character that we are to cultivate. And he, he hangs it all on God. God working in a person while not negating human responsibility. And he says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
They will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted, and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. And so Peter gives us a, <clears throat> a model of this thing we call the Christian life. And he, puts, he strings together this long chain of ideals. But they're all rooted in, the pers in pursuing the knowledge of Christ. In being saved by God through Christ. And like I said, we've got to bring all this into the fray. <clears throat> because this is going to bring out difficulties. When you try to live out this list, you're going to have problems. There are going to be times where it would be easier to go the other way. And they're going to... It's going to be a rub when the rubber hits the road scenario. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard sometimes. Because the flesh does not like to be denied. Because oftentimes the things of God are harder than the things of the world. And it would be easier to forsake the things of God in lieu of the things of the world. And this is the idea that we see here with the woman whose heart is a trap. That we're looking at folly. As opposed to the wise, the womanly character of wisdom. The feminine grace of wisdom that we see in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 says, Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and the fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. This is the beginning of Proverbs. Now look at the end of Proverbs. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. She will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good and not evil all the days of her life. See, the Hebrew word hakma, which is where we get the word wisdom, is a feminine noun. That from the beginning, Solomon is likening wisdom to a woman, to a specific kind of woman. There's something feminine and gracious about wisdom. And we have a tendency to um, ignore that. But even when we look at Greek, the word Sophia, which is where we get the word philosophy, Sophia is also a feminine word. That's something that they kept intact when they translated Proverbs and the rest of the Old Testament into Greek. And so when we look at um, Solomon's use of women in illustrations in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, we are, all, we are looking at the personification of wisdom and folly, respectively. <clears throat> I find more bitter than death the woman who is a trap, her heart a net and her hands chains. The one who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner will be captured by her folly, not wisdom. 
Solomon continues, Look, says the teacher, I have discovered this by adding one thing to another to find out the explanation, that he is reiterating this point with another layer, with another, I'm looking at it from another angle. And he says, which my soul continually searches for, but does not find. I found one person in a thousand, but none of those was a woman. In our modern context, that can sound somewhat misogynistic. And that sounds almost like he's saying women are stupid. I do not believe that is what Solomon is intending. I don't believe that is what he is communicating, because we are looking at the inerrant, inspired word of God. And that chips away at the character of God. And so that understanding cannot be con what is conveyed. And the King James puts it this way. Which my soul yet seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Who are those? Well, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about the search of wisdom. We go back a couple of verses. Wisdom makes the wise person stronger, verse 19, than ten rulers of a city. There is certainly no one righteous on the earth who does good and never sins. Don't pay attention to everything people say, or you will hear your servant cursing you. For in your heart you know that many times you yourself have cursed others. I have tested all this by wisdom. I resolved I will be wise, but it was beyond me. What exists is beyond reach and very deep. Who can discover it? I turn my thoughts to know, to explore, and to examine wisdom and an explanation for things, and to know that, what, that wickedness is stupidity. And folly is madness. And so that's the, the backdrop for this statement. I believe that what Solomon is articulating is that he has looked for wisdom among men and women and found none. Found very, found wisdom to be scarce. True godly wisdom to be every bit as rare among men and women. That we are not wise people. This isn't a male versus female problem. This is a sinner versus this is a sin versus righteousness problem. Solomon has found that few are wise, male and female. Thus, wisdom is a treasure in his mind. There is something. It is rare, and it is to be treasured even more so because it is rare. Because we do not recognize from whence it comes. Proverbs chapter 3, happy is a man who finds wisdom and acquires understanding. For she, again, we have that feminine um, personification here. For she is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her. Long life is in her hand, in her left riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. And so again, we have this juxtaposition between the noble woman and the, the woman of folly. So he's looked and found none wise. Verse 29, only I see this, that God made people upright, but they pursued many schemes. Again, we are hammering down on man's depravity, on humanity's depravity. But, Roman, but 
sorry, not Romans, Ecclesiastes 8.1 says, Who is like the wise person? And who knows the interpretation of the matter? A wise person's wisdom brightens his face, and the sternness of his face is changed. The Bible tells us that our wisdom is but folly, that the simplest things of God make the wisest things of men to be fools, to be the, the stuff of fools. Yet, wisdom is a gift and treasure. But that wisdom is only beheld when we are in Christ. In Christ, we think differently because we are different. God has done what we could not do and suffered for our sins that we might be his. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 2. Um, Isaiah chapter 2 contains a prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. This is not pertaining to the cross. This is pertaining to the kingdom that is on in advance today. And so Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, says, The vision that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. At this point, Judah and Jerusalem had split, that they were two kingdoms now. But this is for both of them. And it says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains, and will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Other translations say flow to it. And it's worth noting that water does not flow up mountains. It has to be drawn in. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among the nations, and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows, and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up sword against nation, and they will never again train for war. Verse 5, House of Jacob, come and let us walk in the Lord's light. For you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob, because you are full of divination because they are full of divination from the east, and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. They are in league with foreigners. Their land is full of silver and gold, and there is no limit to their treasures. Their land is full of horses, and there is no limit to their chariots. Their land is full of idols, they worship the work of their hands, what their fingers have made. So humanity is brought low. And each person is humbled. Do not forgive them. Go into the rocks and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and from his majestic splendor. The pride of mankind will be humbled and human loftiness will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. For a day belonging to the Lord of armies is coming against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, it will be humbled. Against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the high mountains, against all the lofty hills, against every high tower, against every fortified wall, against every ship of Tarshish, and every against every splendid sea vessel, the pride of mankind will be brought low, and human loftiness will be humbled. The Lord alone will be humbled, will be exalted on that day. The idols will vanish completely. On this, Charles Spurgeon notes, one of the greatest works of grace in the heart is to humble our pride.
Again, the Bible tells us that our wisdom is but folly in comparison with the only wise, eternal king, the eternal God. Ponder that for a moment. That we have, that this passage could be about us. Not, not America, not Canada, but us as people, as individuals. Let us walk in the Lord's light, for you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They are full of divination from the east, and of fortune-tellers like the Philistines. They are in league with foreigners. And all of our trust is in the wrong things. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They traded the Im image of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and creeping things. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him. And they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, it says. That's strong language. And that's not about those people. That's not about that person, or that neighborhood, or that church, or... That's about people. It's about people because all have sinned you can't weasel your way out of that diagnosis all have sinned and sin and pride and foolishness are are a three-branded cord because pride leads to folly and pride came from the came from the garden with the first sin. It was the sin of pride. And so what does God do with such a prideful, foolish people? He sends his son Jesus to die on a cross. The only wise, eternal God, the most highest and most perfect good, goes to a cross and he is he is rebuked he is ridiculed he is he is humiliated he is brought low as we should be Philippians chapter 2 paints this picture most beautifully <clears throat> says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. The Greek says doulos, or slave, taking the, assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he, what, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. The God who made the world, the God who spoke, and oceans were made, and mountains were formed, and stars went to where they are in the sky, became obedient to carnal people. 
he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And that, that death, that undeserved sinner's death, that should have been on us, was given to him. It was given to the Son of God. Verse 9, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Christ was made low, and he was exalted above all people, because he's not just a dude, he's not just a person, he is God incarnate. Hebrews says that he is the image of the invisible God, the exact expression of his nature, of his substance. That is who was killed on a cross. And that has value to you and to me because he did something you and I could not do. Romans 8 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Pause. Every proud thing will be humbled. Every high thing will be made low. That We who were wise in our own eyes will be exposed as fools. But there is no condemnation for us in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has done has set you free, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. He condemns sin in the flesh as one of us in the midst, in the thick of it. He condemns sin in the flesh. Why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit and that that is what wisdom looks like this thing we call wisdom is encapsulated in the character of god and christ is the exact expression of the substance of god so when we read things like he predestined us to be conformed to his image that is what that means. We bear the family resemblance. We, we become like Christ and less like that sinful person that put him on the cross in the first place. And so he calls people of all, all, all nations to what? To repent and believe that he is who he said he was, that he is who he says he is. The Son of God made flesh who offered himself as a final sacrifice for sinners to be saved and reconciled to himself. And what could we possibly do out of thanks for that? And let us close with Psalm 103, which is a psalm 
of Thanksgiving. Psalm 103. My soul, bless the Lord. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord. And do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with his faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord ex executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He reveals his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in hesed, in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So what do we do? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. My, my advice coming into the new year, it is January 1st of 2023. My, my, and my advice, if you could call it that, is I meekly and, and as humbly as I possibly can say, get to know Jesus. Look to Christ. Run to Christ. Hide in Christ. Be washed. Be ransomed. Be restored. Be redeemed. Be made whole. According to the wisdom and character of God in Christ. Thank you for listening. This has been the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, striving to let the word speak for itself. This ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4. 4.